Hello, welcome to the podcast of First Church in Woodland. We're glad you could be with us for this rebranding of our church name. We're so excited that today's message is the kickoff of our year, our Vision Sunday, where our senior pastor preached on our theme, which is Kingdom First. And we also have rebranded our church name, as you've noticed. And uh, so we're excited to be moving forward as First Church in our name, of course. And so uh, we pray you're blessed again by listening to this message today. Amen. This is our theme scripture for the year. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33. Amen. As we are kicking off this Vision Sunday with not only a theme for the year, amen, but also a new, uh, our, our new church name. And, and it was not uh, preset this way. God aligned it this way that the church name and the theme, went ju- it just went hand in hand, amen. And so God does all things well, praise God. And I'm thankful for that. But uh, I, I know you know this scripture, but this is our theme this year. And every year we've had God-ordained themes from Rooted 2019, Mission 2020, amen, and last year's theme was go, go love, go reach, and go teach, praise God. This year, our mission is kingdom first. That's what we're about this year. It's kingdom first. Amen. If you're not familiar with this scripture, you need to be. And I hope you're able to quote it before this year is is done. Because this speaks to the very heartbeat of God and the mission of the church. Amen. This is a church where you can connect, serve, and grow. Where you can connect to God, connect to the church, connect to one another. You can serve God, serve in the church, and serve one another. You can grow in God, grow in the church, and have personal growth. That's what it's about, putting the kingdom of God first. Amen. Now, I will go ahead and let you know today while I'm preaching I'm going to go back and forth between our name, our new name, and our theme. And there will be times where I'm going to be, if you uh, ever played volleyball, you know that you set it up for somebody to spike it. I'm going to be setting the ball up for Bishop Lamonis come Sunday of sacrifice. And I'm going to be setting some things up to put in your spirit, in your heart going forward for Sunday of sacrifice. Amen. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, would you read it aloud with me? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Very important that you seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. Because you can't just seek righteousness and you can't just seek the kingdom. You've got to have them both together. Amen. One is, one is the, the kingdom is, is not its location, but it's its culture. The kingdom of God has its own culture. 
And the kingdom of God is not an American culture. It's not an Asian culture. It's not a European culture. It's not an African culture. It's not a Latino culture. It's the kingdom culture. And the beautiful thing about kingdom culture is it encompasses all cultures. But he said, you've got to seek his righteousness, which is his law. You're not much of a country if you don't have laws. Amen. You don't believe that, go to any third world country. Their problem is not resources. The problem is always corruption of laws. Jesus said, seek the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Amen. And I'm going to preach to you today on our theme, Kingdom First. And I'm going to share with you for the next little while about that. I'll talk to you about some of our mission into this year and what God is calling us to do, not just globally, but locally. Next week, we'll talk about ministries and ways you can get involved in serving in the kingdom of God. And let me say this. If this is your church, you need to be involved in serving in the church in in any way possible because to love something, you invest in it. And you invest of your time and your treasure and your talent. Amen. And we'll talk about that, ways for you to get connected in service next Sunday. But this Sunday, my mission, my goal, my assignment is to bring to us the heartbeat of God for this year, and that is to put God's kingdom first in our life. Can you say amen? Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you for your precious word. We thank you, Lord, because that word brings life in it more abundantly. And Lord, as we walk into this vision Sunday, We are aware and we acknowledge that this isn't just another day. This isn't just another service. But this is a service upon which our future hangs. Lord, but this is a service on which the potential and the promise you're calling us into in this year is made available to us. Would you help me in the next few moments, God, to convey this? Lord, would you help, oh God, every person to hear it and to respond to it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And the church said, amen. Would you thank the Lord one more time before you're seated for his word? Praise God. Amen. You can be seated. And I I did want to just throw this in. Something I failed to mention, and I knew I'd forget, is I wanted to say a very big thank you to Brother Lucas and Brother Nate, they ran a live feed into our nursery. So our moms are not having to fiddle and find out where the app is. It's automatically live streamed to there. Amen. And something we are beginning work on immediately this week is carving out a room in here where our translation can take place every service because we are switching into bilingual services very soon where our worship will be bilingual, amen, and there will be translation, amen, at Primera Iglesia. For all the gringos, that's First Church, amen, praise God, amen. You heard this scripture quoted many times. 
No doubt you've heard this scripture declared many times. But I, I don't want this to just be a theme for a year. I, I don't want it to just be a 2022 theme that we are excited about for a few months and then it loses its luster. How about we make this a life goal and a life theme that we put first the kingdom of God. Amen. I want us to emphasize this kingdom principle and unprecedented magnitude in each of our lives beginning today because we are called to put the kingdom of God first. Can you say amen? Amen. I don't want to go into this year being a weekend warrior for Christ. I don't want to be a church reservist. One weekend a month, two weeks out of the year. Amen. I, I, I want to be on the front lines of what God is calling his church. I want to be active. I want to be a standard bearer. I, I want to be on the front lines of what God is doing. If you felt yourself grow cold and complacent in your walk with Christ, let me tell you how to heat it up. Get in the battle. Get on the front line. Put the kingdom of God first. Because when you do and you seek his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody shout kingdom first. Amen. We live in unprecedented times. I, I preached on this during our prayer revival and I talked about it. We are living in unprecedented times. Never has the agenda of hell ever been so clear. Never has the mission of hell been so clear. And if hell is going to be so bold with its agenda, the church has got to match fire with fire and boldness with boldness. There has never been a better time. There has never been a more easy time to distinguish between the church and the world than right now and to fall in love with the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve it. I'm telling you, we are putting the kingdom first at First Church. I said we put the kingdom first at First Church. Amen. First Church alluding, amen, to that we are the church of the book of Acts. We are the church of the book of Acts. Some years ago, I was in, and I, I know I've probably told this story, and uh, the older I get, the more I forget which stories I've told where, but I'm sure I've told this story uh, several years ago, it's amazing, I'm as old as I am and I'm married to a 29-year-old, amen. But the Bible said train up a child in the way they should go, amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> amen. Some, some years ago, I was invited to participate in a Religions of the World Forum. And I, I, I'm, as I'm telling this, I'm, I'm remembering, I think I've told this recently, but I'm going to tell you again, you'll be twice as blessed. And I was invited in, and there was a whole swath of, of religious people there uh, from the very devoted uh, to, to the crazies. And, and, and don't let that offend you. They were certifiably nuts. Talking about drinking human blood and just really weird demonic stuff. And it came down to on the Christian side, which they lumped us into the Christian side, uh, was myself a uh, Mormon or Latter-day Saint bishop and a Catholic priest. And the three of us were labeled as the 
Christian representatives, and I, I felt quite offended by that. Matter of fact, I was extremely offended by that um, because I, didn't, I don't identify with that. And b- because we, we follow the Bible. And um, not, not here for debate, just to tell facts. And um, when it came my time and, and got down to RN and we listened to, to yogis and, and everything else down here, they came to us and, and the Mormon bishop had his say and the, the Catholic priest got up and had his say. And this isn't to disparage uh, the Catholic priest, but, but I will say that the manner in which he conducted himself was extremely arrogant. And it was a very big put-off to everybody in the room. And he acted like it was pretty much a waste of his time to be there. But while he was there, he would set the record straight that any branch of Christianity uh, belonged to the Catholic Church. That everybody that was Christian, that read the Bible, that believed in Jesus Christ was truly Catholic because they were the founders of Catholicism. And the Catholic means universal. And, and so not, not, universal is not always a good thing. And um, um, he, he said uh, that, that, and he pointed toward us, he said, you know, they are all our wayward children. And I sat there and I took it until he got done. And he sat down drip, dripping and reeking uh, with arrogance. And I got up to say something. And beside us was a Mormon uh, excuse me, a uh, Muslim imam and a Jewish rabbi. And so I stood up and I, I said, I want to make something clear to this audience of a few hundred college students at, at the Napa College. I said, I want to make something extremely clear. I said, I do not in any way, shape, form, or fashion walk in anything similar to these gentlemen here. We are not the same kind of Christian because we don't believe in the same kind of God. Now, this set everybody on edge. Now, I know I'm preaching to the choir, but for those at home, don't tune me off yet. I said, as a matter of fact, theologically speaking, the two people I am most in alignment and agreement with on this stage today is the, uh, the imam and the rabbi. And when I said that, they set up and they were beginning to feel the offense that I had just felt. Because they view typical Christianity as paganism. Because typical Christianity believes in a tritheistic or a triune Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Three persons. We don't believe that. Simply because the Bible doesn't teach that. You'll never find three persons anywhere in that book. Matter of fact... You'll never hear anybody pray uh, to Father God, Son God, or Holy Ghost God. You only find one God. And I looked at the imam and the rabbi, and I said, because I believe in the Shema of Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We are the true children of Abraham by spiritual means. You are natural Israel. And we are spiritual Israel. And we reject, we reject wholeheartedly the Trinity. And we reject the concept that is pagan in its roots from Aristotle 
and Socrates and the Greek paganism and mythology of a Father, Son, and Holy Ghost that are co-equal, co-eternal, and co-existent. We believe in one God unequivocally. When I said that, their eyes lit up and afterwards both of them hugged me and talked to me for quite a while because they had never heard of Christians that believed in one God. I said the difference is, I said to the Muslim, you are looking for the 12th Imam who is your Messiah, which in Islam the 12th Imam basically brings global domination by slaughtering everybody that does not accept the prophet, which anybody that truly follows Muslim, uh, Islam uh, wants to kill everybody in the name of Islam. It's, it's in their book. You can't get around it. And I said to the rabbi, I said, the only difference between us and you and the view in Godhead is that you are still looking for Messiah to come. And we believe that Messiah has already come in Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is God made manifest in the flesh, that Jesus is not Jehovah Junior. He is not a second person in a fictitious triune Godhead, but that Jesus, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. For that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. When I tell you we are the first church, we believe what the first church preached. Oh, hallelujah. Now I just, I know this is some red meat apostolic preaching, but let me set the record straight. I stood behind that podium and I turned to the Catholic priest with as, as much kindness and humility as I could muster Brother Moreno. And I said, let me make it very clear. We did not come from the Catholic Church formed at 325 AD in the Council of Nicaea. I said, we began in Acts chapter 2 and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter 10. We are the Gentiles bride we started in AD 35 37 or 40 and I looked at the priest and I smiled and I said so sir let me set the record straight we did not come out of you but rather you came out of us we are the mother church we are the first church the original church I'm glad we still preach there is one God and his name is Jesus. We preach in salvation through repentance, water baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our message has not changed. Through hundreds of Christian reformations, the gospel has changed, but not for us. It's not even debatable. I had somebody tell me, a denominal pastor, amen, and he had, bless his heart, he had more degrees than a thermometer. <laughs> and I always appreciate their zeal and their hunger of knowledge, amen. Uh, one famous president, uh, Ronald Reagan, said one time, he said, it's not that they're liars, they just know so much that isn't true. That's the problem with a lot of denominations. It's not that they intentionally lie, they just know so much that isn't found in the Word of God. 
and he, he said, you need to explain to me why it is that you baptize in Jesus' name only and why you believe in the Holy Ghost with the evidences. And I looked at him and I cut him off and I said, no, sir, you got it absolutely wrong. I teach without equivocation, without jumping through the hoops of the Greek, amen, or any other language or translation, letting the Bible translate the Bible. We teach it exactly like Jesus did. We preach it exactly like the apostles did. So I don't need to explain to you why we obey the word of God. You need to explain to me why you don't obey the word of God. Listen to me. We are not a church. We are the church and we are still preaching what the apostles preached 2,000 years ago. Somebody shout amen. We don't just still preach Acts 2.38, amen, and that's something we'll always preach, but we still preach holiness and separation from the world because that's what the early church taught. Amen, amen. I'm glad the amens are still as loud as they were on one God because holiness is not an addition to salvation. It is in conjunction with Acts 2.38 saves you from sin. Holiness saves you in the journey to heaven. Amen. Well, pastor, so many churches are now getting understanding and they are walking away from separation. They're not getting understanding. They are getting demonic revelation. Amen. We teach what the early church taught. You heard Bishop Bernard on Tuesday night. Don't miss this Tuesday night. Bring pen and paper. Amen. And write notes and go home and study it. Amen. It has always been a teaching of the church. As a matter of fact, it has been the teaching of every denomination up until the mid-1960s, early 1960s. Every Christian denomination taught that there must be a distinction between the sexes in our dress and in our mannerism. Can you say amen? We are holiness, amen, the way the Bible declares us to be separate in holiness. Men ought to look like men and women ought to look like, say, Pastor, it's 2022. People don't want to hear it. People that want to be saved will hear it. And let me just clear the air for the gender blender movement. Men ought to look like men and bless God, they ought to act like men. The word of God still says that God hates the effeminate. We ought not let our boys. Now, this is, I, I understand. If you think, Pastor, be careful, you're treading on hate speech, you're not even saved. If you think that is hate speech, you don't even have the Holy Ghost operating in your life. I'm quoting the scripture. But we have let a feminist emasculation movement of our boys bleed into the church that we're too afraid to say, men act like men. Pastor, that's toxic masculinity. No, that's not. That's godly masculinity. 
If your idea of masculinity is an idea of a man beating on a woman, that's not masculinity, that's dingbatism. Because if a man acts in a manner that is godly and holy, he will treat with great and utmost respect a woman. But I tell you of a truth, a man who is feminine truly despises women. Psychologically proven. It's Vision Sunday, Pastor. You need to back up. We're not just going to preach men look like men. We're going to say you need to act like men. And women look like women and act like women. There's nothing more beautiful than a godly, holy, feminine woman as prescribed by the Bible. Bet y'all didn't expect this for Vision Sunday. Amen. Hey, I want to tell you something. God, you, we, we got a whole movement out there saying, well, God just doesn't care about all that stuff. That's all superficial. If God didn't care about it, then why would he have put it in his word? I, I told my wife, we were driving through the backwoods of Louisiana on Friday. I, we were talking about, so I said, you know what? I'd rather get to heaven and find out we preached some things that may not have been that necessary rather than, and we obeyed them rather than we get to heaven and we left some things undone because we were afraid of offending the ecumenical, ecclesiastical, milk soap, milk toast, noodle for spine, won't stand for anything Christianity. I want to preach and teach what the word of God says. And the Bible still says, follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Say, pastor, if it's, if it's true, why isn't every church doing that? Don't ask me, ask them. Because the answer you're going to get is one of the most demonic answers that God only cares about the heart. And then come, go find me that scripture. Say, so well, Jesus did teach it. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I'm not trying to tread on everything Dr. Bernard talked about. But, but one of the, when somebody comes to me and they want to argue, they'll say, well, that was just for the custom of that time. Then I got to say, you, 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 don't, you don't even have a thimble of understanding of God's word. When Paul taught on it, then he followed it up by saying, and I'm paraphrasing, lest there be any confusion, what we teach here, we teach everywhere. What I just told you about how to look and how to act in Corinth, that's exactly what we tell them to do in Ephesus and in Crete and in everywhere else. We're going to preach what the first church preached. And when we preach what the first church preached, it's because we seek what the first church sought. And that was the kingdom of God and his righteousness. There's a lot of religious groups seeking the kingdom, but they've left off his righteousness. They want the kingdom, but they don't want the righteousness. They want the, they want the country, they want the culture, but they don't want the law. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his 
righteousness. Righteousness is still right. In 2000, it doesn't change because it's 2020. If we are going to be first church, we're not going to get sued for false advertisement. We're going to preach and teach what the first church taught. I'm believing for in this year, we're going to see kingdom first as not just a cliche, but as a lifestyle. I said not a cliche, but a lifestyle. Not some catchy slogan on a nice hoodie or on a coffee mug or on a bumper sticker, but a lifestyle of putting the kingdom first. How do I put the kingdom first? I want to sum it up like this. It takes radical commitment. It takes radical devotion. It takes radical dedication that when you make up your mind to serve the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm not doing that when I feel like it, but I'm putting the kingdom first in every aspect of my life. Somebody say kingdom first. Come on, say it again. Kingdom first. I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto me. You see, one of our, our greatest concerns is, is we are always worried about tomorrow. I, I want to contextualize our scripture for this year. Because when we bring the scripture into context of what Jesus was talking about, it brings a tremendous understanding to us about what God was speaking to the early church about. And if he spoke it to the early church, I want to know what it was about. Because we pick up verse 33 in the middle of a lesson that Jesus was teaching. And I'm going to push us forward now to Sunday of Sacrifice. In verse 24, no man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Let me just pause there because I'm not done with the verse yet. You can't love the church and the world at the same time. You cannot serve Jesus and your flesh at the same time. You will love one and hate the other or hold one and despise the other. You see, the problem with a lot of churches that are leaving the foundation elemental truths of God's word is they are trying to embrace worldliness and righteousness. And so what they end up doing rather than letting go of worldliness or carnality is they begin to despise righteousness. In amazing, just hold off on the scripture for a moment. Isn't it amazing how when people backslide and leave the church, how bitter they get at the church? Isn't it amazing? Isn't it amazing, Sister Priscilla, that, that when somebody leaves the church and they and, and if any subject gets anywhere close to religion or Christianity or God, one of the first things they're going to say is, yeah, I just don't believe it takes all that anymore. Isn't it funny how hateful they are about righteousness and holiness? 
I've been delivered from all that. I'm not in bondage anymore. Isn't that funny? Well, since you found so much liberty, how has your prayer life been? I've been doing this a long time, and I ain't never met a single cotton-picking, pea-picking one of them that ever left truth that got a better prayer life. How much more are you praying? You get so much freedom. How much more are you praying now? How much more of your Bible are you reading now? You know why you can't pray and read your Bible as much now as you did when you was in the church? Because every time you pray, God starts pricking your heart. And every time you go to the Word, the Word starts convicting your heart. That's why when you go to these churches around town, amen, and they're, they're about a dime a dozen, amen, they all teach about the same thing. They got big crowds. You want to know why? They're telling everybody what they want to hear. They got 45-minute worship sets with only 15 minutes of inspirational preaching, and out of the 15 minutes, they only preach about two minutes of word. You want to know why? Because if you put the word in there, you're going to find a God that says, be ye holy as I I am holy. You cannot embrace the love of worldliness and the love of godliness. It's impossible. I'm talking about putting the kingdom first. And it's more than just your money. But since I'm on it, now let us finish that verse. You'll despise one. You'll hold one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Mm. I'm not even on. I told you I was going to bump some of your sacrifice. You're welcome, Bishop Lamonis. You cannot be enslaved. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to me. See, here's, here's the problem. We are so focused on tomorrow. Oh, hold on a second. Jesus is going to uh, uh, address this in the very next verse. He can say it better than I can anyway. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Did you catch that? Did you see what Jesus said? He said, take no thought for, for, for your life for tomorrow. Now, he didn't say, just go spin like a drunken sailor on shore leave. He didn't say, don't clean your house or iron your clothes or even take a shower because don't even think about tomorrow. He was talking about a spirit of worry and fear that people live with on a daily basis about tomorrow. Am I going to have a job tomorrow? Am I going to have food tomorrow? This is why the disciples, when they said, Lord, teach us to pray, one of the first things Jesus said was, give us this hour he didn't say, give us this day the bread in which shall last to the Sabbath or into the new moon. He said, every day you pray this prayer, give me today 
my daily bread. Here's the problem. Oh, God, I feel the Holy Ghost here. I, I know I'm going to butcher a sacred cow right now, but that's all right. We're going to eat ribeye. You know what storing up too much does? It simply says, I don't have confidence in you, God. Oh, don't shut me down when I'm preaching good. What about tomorrow? What about what you are doing is you are speaking in fear. You're, you're speaking fear rather than faith. Because Jesus said the only thing you were to pray for was daily bread. Let tomorrow take care of tomorrow. Did he provide you with bread today? Well, yeah, I had something to eat today. Good. Tomorrow I'll wake up and pray the same thing and watch the same God who provided yesterday provide today. You see, we want the assurance of next week and next month and five years from now. And Jesus said, don't you worry about that. If you'll put me first, I'll take care of everything. But you've got to learn to serve me one step at a time and one day at a time. Behold the fowls of the air. For they sow not, neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are you not much better than they are? How many has ever seen a bird work a garden? Huh? You, you, you've seen a bird out there digging and planting the seed, put, and it run over his little beak and putting water on it, growing it and pulling the wheat. You've never seen that. And yet they have something. Do you ever see them build barns? Now they build nests to hatch their young, but you see them build barns. You want to know why? Because Jesus said your heavenly father has provided for them. And, and aren't you better in the sight of God than a bird? Which of you taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? In other words, what he said is, which one of you by, by worrying about it, can grow one inch or one foot. Verse 28, and why take ye thought for raiment? That's your clothing. Why are you worried about that? Consider the lilies of the field, how they do grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. You ever seen the flowers out there trying to make a, a shirt? That's what he's saying in verse 28. They toll not, neither do they sow. Verse 29, and yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Solomon, the wealthiest man to ever live in the history of the world. And Jesus said that even the wealthiest man in the world was never as decked out as the lilies in the field. Verse 30, wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe ye, O ye of little faith? No, we like verse 33, but we got to get to it. 
Verse 31, therefore take no thought saying what shall we eat or what shall we drink or wherewithal shall we be clothed. Verse 32, for after all these things do the Gentiles seek. A pagan people, a godless people. They're always worried about what they're gonna drink and eat and what they're gonna wear. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Food will be provided. Clothing will be provided. Shelter will Do we want to put the kingdom first? Therefore, take no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. In other words, Jesus said, tomorrow, we'll stress about tomorrow. You just let your father take care of right now and take care of today. I'm preaching to you about putting the kingdom first. We talk about being the first church. I I wonder what Sunday of sacrifice would look like if we had a Matthew 6.33 Sunday of sacrifice. I know I'm making some of you uncomfortable right now. That's not my point. My point is to show you what kingdom first looks like. You you know how the earth, within 10 years of Acts 2, the entire then known world had heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Within 10, I didn't stutter. Within 10 years, all of Asia Minor, the known parts of Africa and Europe to the world. In the known world, Brother Nate, within 10 years, they had all heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without a live stream, without a radio, without a newspaper. Bless God, they didn't even have a Bible. And in 10 years, they turned the world upside down with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to know how they did it? Investing in their 401k and making sure their stocks were doing good and that uh, they had plenty enough time for vacation and paid vacation sick leave. And they, and, and they wanted to make sure that they were so stressed out and stretched in their debt, financing cars nine years and homes 40 years. And That's not what the early church did. They believed that scripture and they lived it. I'm talking about kingdom first. I'm not taking an offering. I want you to pray about this. In other words, the early church, when a need arose, they got rid of everything they had. Man, you talk about this and it gets so quiet, you can hear a rat licking ice. They got rid of everything to propagate the gospel. Well, pastor, that was a different culture. You're right. <laughs> they didn't have homeless shelters and they didn't have social programs. They lived by a faith that would freak us out. 
They live with a faith that causes us right now to even not want to say amen because we're afraid that I'm, that might mark us. When a need arose, they just got rid of everything. They didn't take thought of what they were going to sleep, what they were going to wear, and what they were going to eat. Mm. Matter of fact, the only judgment of death I can find from God in the New Testament church was over money. Because Ananias and Sapphira sold their property. And we're going to give it to advance the kingdom of God. And they decided to keep some of it. And God set them down for six months and said, you'll learn your lesson. The Bible said they fell down dead. Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe God's going to kill anybody in here today. That's not my point. My point is simply this. The early church had a revelation. And I know we, well, pastor, what about, what about, you need to deal with you and God about that. I'm just longing to see the day when we see a true kingdom first sacrifice giving. Mm. I'm going I'm to tell you something. The last, the last few years, and I, I, I'm not going to tell amounts, and I'm not going to talk about any of that. I'm just going to use this as just an example. But, but the last, and this is why we do 90-day pledges. My wife and I on both campus, what we determine to do on Sunday is sacrifice whatever is in the accounts. We are wiping everything clean. And we even give more than we have because thank God for a 90-day pledge. And we pay into that pledge. Now, I'm not telling you how much that is because some of you may have more than that and some may have less. I don't know. But here's what I know. Here's what I know. We've never went without. You can look at me and tell that. Never went without food. Have not been homeless. have had transportation. Matter of fact, I'm going to say this. God has more than met my basic needs. He has blessed exceeding and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. Talking about the kingdom first. And, I, and I'm almost done. Don't worry. I know it's getting tense right now. You're like, my God. This Vision Sunday, Pastor, we're supposed to be running the aisles right now. Give me about three minutes. Give me about three minutes. Because Jesus was in the temple. And a, and a little widow woman, or back home they call her a widow, widow woman. And a little widow woman comes up with two mites. I just bought some, some Roman mites. I have them at home right now. They're, they're from uh, A.D. Uh, 100, about the time that this little... Who knows, I might even have one of those mites that that little widow woman had. And she walked, and people were walking up, and they were dropping purses filled with gold and precious jewels. They were dropping it up at the altar. And here comes this little widow woman. And she pulls out two little mites, two little pennies. And Sister Lucy, she just dropped it in there. 
And the Bible said, the heart of Jesus began to pound. And he grabbed his 12 disciples and he said, did you see that? Did you see that? Oh, that's so beautiful. She gave more than anybody else. And the disciples went, what? First of all, let me go ahead and dispel this charismatic, emergent, hippy-dippy myth that God don't care about what you give. Because the Bible said Jesus sat there and was counting everything they were putting in. I know it's not Sunday of sacrifice, but am I not reading the scripture right? How would he know how much the rich people put in versus how much the poor put in? Because while they were putting it in, he was tallying it up. They said, Jesus, she only gave two pennies because they were counting two. How could she give more? And Jesus said, because she gave out of her need. She gave everything. You see, Jesus was not impressed with the sums that the rich people were given. You want to know why? Because they still had riches at home. He was impressed with the one who emptied out her account and didn't even have money to buy bread the next day. What could we do for missions? Oh, God. What, we, what could we do? How many, how many kids could we feed? He that giveth to the poor shall never lack. How many families could we clothe? He that giveth to the poor shall never lack. How many Bible colleges could we build? He that giveth to the poor shall never lack. How many churches could we build? He that giveth to the poor shall never lack. How much more could we advance the kingdom of God if everybody got that mentality and said, Lord, whatever I have, it belongs to you. But pastor, that money was for a vacation. Pastor, that money. But what if we did what the little widow woman done and we gave everything? See, our problem is we want to give sacrificially as long as it doesn't mess up our plans for the year. We want to give as long as it doesn't alter our plan of what we were going to do for that year. But that little wooden woman, she didn't care anymore. All she had was two little mites, just two little pennies. She didn't have any money for the next day. She didn't have any money for new shoes or new clothes. But that little woman walked in with a revelation and said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Mm. We put the kingdom first. My God, we, we, we built churches in 21. We're building more churches in 2022. I know that moves your heart. This is a missions church. We are a missions church. And when God gets ready to move us into a new building, whether we buy a building or build a building or whatever it is, it's going to be the church that missions built. Because first church is going to be based off the first church. A giving church. A loving church. A reaching church. A preaching church. A praying church. 
And let me conclude our Vision Sunday with this. When we say kingdom first, we don't mean kingdom after leisurely scheduling. Well, Pastor, I want to get more involved, but I just took up this knitting class. Pastor, I, I, I would really get on one of those teams next weekend ministry Sunday, but uh, on, on Sunday of service. And I, I really want to get involved. But is there somewhere I can get involved that, you know, really, I don't, I'm not really pinned down to anything in particular? In other words, that, you know, I can serve only when I want to. This, this, this may sound like I'm being facetious, but this is such a common mindset in the people, in the minds of people that claim to serve the Lord Jesus. How about this? How about I put the kingdom of God first and his righteousness? Because I'm going to tell you this year as we put the kingdom first, we're going to see God do things in unprecedented manners like we've never seen. We're going to see God save people we didn't think God was going to save. We're going to see people got people drawn into the kingdom of God that we didn't even think were interested in God. Family members, you thought you, you don't even pray for them anymore because they are so lost and undone without God. But the more you put the kingdom first and his righteousness, you don't even realize it. But it's like a beautiful fragrance that is pulling them closer. Amen. Because as we get dedicated to the kingdom of Jesus Christ, people take note of that and they say, hey, I'm out here dying for something not worth living for and they're over there living for something that I die for and as we move forward into this year and we see the great plans that God has laid before us amen part of first church and rebranding our campuses was the simple fact that moving forward into this year amen our church will expand its footprint throughout Yolo County that our church will expand its footprint throughout Northern California I've got a feeling that we're not just going to be planting churches in Yolo and Solano County amen but I believe God is already laying the foundation for first churches to be planted up and down the west coast up and out through the northwest amen out through and around the world because as we put the kingdom of God first God expands his kingdom amen behind those who are willing to put their shoulder to the wheel and they're willing to press on and they're willing to advance I'm telling you as hard as you want to advance God is going to empower you to put the kingdom first. I look at these unchurched cities around us as musicians come. I look at these unchurched cities around us. Amen. I look at Davis. My God, we need a campus in Davis. I look at Esparto and Knight's Landing. Amen. I, I, I look at Dixon and I look at Winters. I look at Fairfield. Amen. I look at Rio Vista and Sassoon. Amen. Looking over into Walnut Creek and into Vallejo. Amen. I see all these cities that need a church. And you 
know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking we put the kingdom first. Say, Pastor, what, what about Woodland? Amen. What, what about right here? You see, then you misunderstand because the more we are willing to sow, the more we are willing to plant, the more we are willing to do, the more harvest that God brings into the church. Because if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. But if you sow abundantly, you reap abundantly. I'm talking about putting the kingdom first. Radically putting the kingdom first this year. I'm talking about a missions trip. Amen. For Despotar 2022 in, in Coca, Ecuador. Amen. The Awaken Conference going international. I, I, I'm talking about more than just that, but I'm talking about our graduates going on missions trips. Amen. For weeks at it, going and expanding the kingdom around the world. I'm talking about our young people doing more than just having church on a Friday night, but our young people involved in helping launch a church in Dixon or launching a church in Winters or launching a church in Davis. I'm talking about getting you involved. And I know 2022 is crazy already. Amen. But guess what? Last year was crazy. Year before, if you'll just be honest, every year you could recall, you said the same thing. This year's crazy. I guarantee you, ain't a person in this place look back in the last 20 years and said, well, that year was easy. I mean, wow, there wasn't any struggle at all. No, we got to look into this year and know that the devil is going to fight. My flesh is going to resist. Hell's going to break loose at the most inopportune time. But I've already made up my mind. I'm not going to borrow stress for tomorrow. Give me this day my daily bread. I'm going to advance the kingdom of God one day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. Because it's kingdom first. Stand with me and lift your hands. I feel the Spirit of the Lord moving in this place right now. Hallelujah. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I want you to think about this. How many look back at 2020 or 2021 or 2019 and thought, I wish I'd have done a little more for the kingdom this past year. Because I'm determined that we'll not stand in January 2023 with regret of what we didn't do for the kingdom of Jesus Christ. But we will stand in January 2023 saying, I don't know how I could have done anymore with a smile on your face. I had home Bible studies twice a week in my home. I had... I, I couldn't just do one connect group. I had four connect groups each month in my home. Matter of fact, I had so many home Bible studies going in my home, Brother Reuben, that, that God did something great. I had to use my swimming pool to baptize people this year. So, I, I got so busy, I had to just lose the deposit on that knitting class and just quit. Matter of fact, I got so involved that I, I adjusted my vacation time. 
I, I adjusted this trip and I adjusted what I was going to spend on that because I was so busy teaching home Bible studies in my home that I, I just, the, the, all that overtime they were wanting me to take, I couldn't take all that overtime because I would have had to cancel home Bible studies. And and and, and you look back, I'm talking by faith, what it's going to be like this time next year. And you look back and say, my God, I, I taught 43 home Bible studies at my kitchen table in one year. And that's 43 more than I'd ever done in my whole life. So your future you is asking your present you, how did you do it? I'm, I'm going to tell you two words. Ready? Kingdom first. I'm going to teach on this a lot this year. I'm going to preach on it a lot this year. Church has got to be more than this building we're in. I think God we're able to gather. We saw what the politicians wanted to do. They don't want you together. They still don't want you together. Thank God what they're doing in Canada, shutting it down right now to protest, shutting the churches down again. Thank God. We, we won't ever do that again. Do you hear me? I'm making it. We won't ever do that again. If everybody in this building has COVID, I already told our leaders, I will come in here with a cell phone and stand right here sick as a dog. And we're going to have church in this building. You want to know why? I'm not buying the lies. Fine. had a medical professional tell me we're not allowed a medical professional work at a hospital said we're not allowed to say this to the public but the Omicron is so weak it's gone within 24 hours the symptoms are so mild but if we say that they're afraid people won't get vaccinated you want to know why so big pharma won't keep getting rich and donating to the politicians that are pushing it. let me just say this let me just say this and I know there are situations and I won't have to qualify everyone but I'm going to say this if you're not apprehensive to go to a store, you're not apprehensive to be in public, but you're only apprehensive to go to church, you need to pray through. I'm just going to say, I know there are situations, and we know that, so I know this is a blanket statement, but I'm going to say, because there's the end of the, I don't want to have to qualify everything. But that we will take risks doing everything, but when it comes to, well, I don't want to go to church and get sick, but I'll go everywhere else. I'll do everything else. I'll go, you know, I, I know there's probably people out there that would go skydiving, with a parachute they bought at a surplus store but wouldn't show up to church. Put the kingdom first. Put it in perspective. We're going to move into this year and realize, thank God we're able to, thank God we're able to come back together and worship, but this building is not the church. The church is where His people gather. How many of you want to be able to teach Bible studies in your home this year? How many of you want to lead a connect group in your home this year? We still start those in March. Oh, pastor, I'm just so busy between work and the kid. Whoa, 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 whoa. Pastor, I'd get involved, but I've got so much. Then reprioritize. Reprioritize your life around the kingdom of God and His righteousness. You know, some of the most blessed people in our campuses are the people who do the most in the church. 
They make the most money on their jobs. They get the most promotions. They get the most raises and the most bonuses. And yet they're involved in the church more than anybody. You want to know why? Because God honors his word. Put the kingdom first. I'll bless you in every aspect of your life. You know why we put the kingdom first? Because we're the first church. We're following after the footsteps of the first church. This is a beautiful day. I almost said GP. First church. This is a beautiful day. Because the chalkboard is wiped clean. And 2022 starts right now. Say, no, pastor, it started. No, no, it starts right now. And you know what God's looking for? God's looking for a group of people who would step out today and say, Pastor, I'm going to make a commitment to put the kingdom of God first this year like I never. I'm not going to complain about how busy I am. I'm not going to complain about what all I got going on. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to start readjusting. And you know, if you'll start doing that, you know what God will do? God will start giving you a blessing and favor on your job. Your job will let you take time off. I wonder, I wonder how many here today I know it would be easy to pull everybody to the altar but I wonder who would be the first of the first of first church to put the kingdom first today and say you know what pastor God's been calling me the whole time you've been preaching pastor something's been pulling at my heart this is going to be the year that I win somebody through the gospel of Jesus Christ Folks, I, listen to me. I love you, but I could give a flying rip how many times you run the aisles this year. How many people can you bring to the foot of the cross this year? I, don't, I, I know you can dance and shout and buck and snort, but I'm going to tell you right, I don't even care how much we shout and dance this year, and we're going to do a lot of But who will reach the lost this year and put the kingdom first? If that's you, and you're willing right now to make that affirmation I want you to come to this altar right now and say Lord Jesus right now I'm committing myself I surrender myself I am giving to you right now with my mouth I commit to what I'm going to do with my action for the rest of this year thank you Lord for sending Brother Dunahoe last year for he taught us how to teach home Bible studies and we've got plenty of them now I'm going to teach them we've got them in English and we've got them in Spanish I'm going to teach them Lord I thank you because I've never hosted a connect group or I've only hosted one and I've always been busy but this year this year my house I'm not just going to have a spring semester I'm going to have it every month every week if I can there's going to be prayer in my home there's going to be fellowship in my home there's going to be Bible studies in my home Lord, I believe this is the year as Bishop Kinsey prophesied that there was a doubling in this church. This is going to be the year because we put the kingdom first. This is going to be the year because we have set in motion not with our mouth but with our action. We have set first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'm not worrying. I'm not stressing about the economy. Hello, thank you again for joining the podcast of First Church. We're so honored that you were able to stop by and listen to this message today. Pray it was a blessing to you. I want to remind you uh, that you can get connected with us 
on our social media accounts by looking up First Church Woodland or First Church Vacaville, both on Facebook and Instagram. We would love to get connected with you there. Uh, also, you can go to our website, firstchurch.app, and download our app from there and stay connected that way. And uh, again, thank you so much for joining, and we'll see you in the next podcast.